Good morning, church. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 to 48, and you can find that on page 970 of the church Bibles. That's Matthew 5, 44 to 48, on page 970. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'm Neil, the associate vicar here at St. Jude's, and it's lovely to be here this morning to be able to open up this passage with you. But there are times, I don't know whether you've felt this way, where I wish that Jesus hadn't said some of the things that he said. And that's uh, one of the parts of this passage today is just one of those things that I just wish Perhaps, Lord, you hadn't said, because it's hard, isn't it, to think about this. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's not easy, is it? It's not the sort of thing we normally would try and do. And if we try and do it in our own strength, we're going to fail. But Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do you really mean, Lord, that we're going to have to pray for President Putin or the leaders of the Islamic State. We have enough trouble praying for Southampton supporters. <laughs> How are we going to pray for somebody who really tries to hurt us? But Jesus says, doesn't he, you have to love those who are trying to hurt you. The lunatic that cuts you up as you try to get onto the motorway on the M27, or the politician who says the weird thing that you really think is wrong you have to pray for those people this is hard and it is difficult but the words of Jesus always make sense you know they make sense because he lived out these words he did love his enemies he lived out these words in the most beautiful life that has ever been lived here on earth we are living through a very particular moment in history. And some people are saying that we are living in volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous times. We're coping with COVID and climate change, conflict in the Ukraine, a change of monarch, the cost of living crisis that's now had increasing mortgages added to the increasing cost of energy and food and pretty much everything else. One younger person tweeted recently, the only disaster my generation has not yet seen is an alien invasion. That's, that's how some people feel. The only thing that's left is for 
the people from outer space to arrive. This is why some people are feeling anxious because we live in volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous times. If this is the world that we live in, then what's going to be our response? I was listening to the radio and they were talking about how many people have stopped listening or watch, listening to or watching the news. They're just not going to do it anymore. It's all bad news anyway, so I'm not going to watch the news anymore. That's one response. But what's going to be our response? We often see life as a journey. And the problem with all that's happened is that the landscape that we, we've been used to journeying through is no longer the same. Instead of gentle hills, we've got volcanoes erupting in all sorts of places. And they've broken down bridges and created new barriers so that we can't follow the paths that we perhaps were used to following. The familiar map has been ripped up. And so what do we do when we lose the map? Well, I have found that this is the only way. When the map disappears, you have to rely on the compass. You may not know exactly what lies ahead, but you know what direction to go in. When you lose signal and Google Maps can no longer tell you to turn right and turn left and turn right, you, you just have to carry on in the right direction, don't you? And you have to, if you can, find a compass that will help you to stay on the right path that will lead you in the right direction. Different people have different compasses. Some people say that they're just going to follow their feelings. Whatever feels good, I'll do it. Some people say they're just going to go with the flow. There was a band called Travis in the 1990s, and they talked about everyone being driftwood, floating underwater. That was the outlook for a whole generation, that there were waterfalls grinding them down as they spin out of control. But what about us? As disciples of Jesus, how do we see our journey through life? Well, we know that we do have a compass. A compass that's guided people in different cultures and contexts down through many millennia. It's not based on what, feel good, what feels good or going with the flow. It's based on God's word. God's word who was made flesh amongst us in Jesus Christ. Charlie's already spoken about these words as part of our guiding light that is going to guide us through life from Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And Jesus, who is the word of God, he said, I am the light of the world. And he said, I am the way. This is why the Christian faith has survived the rise and fall of so many empires. Because even when the map of the world as we know it is ripped up and changed beyond all recognition, we have a saviour who is with us and who is for us. He's there to take our hand, to lead us even in the deepest darkness. So our response, when the times are volatile and uncertain and complex and ambiguous, is to hold even more firmly to our faith in him. At these times, we need to pay attention to his words. 
even the ones that are hard for us to live by. You see, when things get unsettled, the natural reaction is to retreat and search for security. When things get dangerous, we might build walls or create barriers around us that keep that danger out and away from us. But that's not the way of Jesus. He was never into building walls. He was into breaking them down. Jesus' command is for us to love, to lead a life of love. And he shows us just what that life looks like and where it might take us. He says, love God, love your neighbor, and love your enemies. In this passage that we heard today, he starts by repeating a saying that was common in their day. Love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But Jesus says there's a different way. When we loved our neighbors and hated our enemies, that helped us to develop from a family to a tribe to a more complex society. We defined people as them and us. We worked with the people who were like us and we kept out the people who were them and we fought against them at times. And that was successful for a time in making bigger and better societies. But Jesus says the time has come for a new kingdom, a new way of doing things. And this was the big puzzle in this message for the people who heard it, because they knew that God had chosen them, that they were God's favorites. And now Jesus was saying, God has no favorites. Israel knew that they were chosen. God had said, I will make you a light for the Gentiles, for all the people on the earth, so that my salvation, my saving power, we will reach to the ends of the earth. He said that way back in the words of Isaiah in the Old Testament. And Jesus comes and says, now is the time that this is going to happen. Jesus' message was, the kingdom is coming where there will be no more fear or fighting. And in this kingdom, you need to love your enemies. Jesus calls us to love in a new way, to spread his love wider and wider. Love, love, love. This is Jesus' message. Not just in our families, not just in our church or in our city, not even just in our country. In the global world, everyone is our neighbor. So we need to love everyone just as God loves them. Reflecting his love into the world, that's what these next words show us. It's how God's love works and it's how he wants us to love because Jesus says he causes the sun to shine on the evil and the good, the rain to fall on the unrighteous and the righteous. And if God loves everyone enough to care for them, then we should do the same. Divine love is in a way an indiscriminate love, shown equally to the good and the bad. And when the people who think a lot about God, the people called theologians, thought about this, they called this particular part of God's love God's common grace. Because God gives creation, the wonders of nature, the sun and the rain to everybody. Everybody gets to enjoy the view. Everybody gets to see the sunset. Everybody gets to look up at the stars. Everybody, whether you're good or evil, righteous or unrighteous, this is God's common grace. 
his love that is there for everyone, absolutely everyone, good or bad. God loves everyone and provides for everyone. And we need to mirror that love, to love everyone, even our enemies. We're called to follow Jesus. And that means loving in an altogether greater way, following his radical example of love, love, love. And Jesus says, don't just love the people who love you. He says to those who are listening to him, don't just love the tax collectors, those miserable, despised officials who've gone and compromised in a, and, uh, and, and work with your oppressors. They, even they love those who love them. That level of love is seen everywhere. But your love, my love, is bigger and better than that. For us today, we might say, even the drug dealers do that. Even the people traffickers do that. Even the Russian generals who send missiles at civilian convoys, even they love the people around them. But my people, Jesus says, have to raise the bar, have to aim higher. You've got to love even your enemies. If you want to follow me, this is how you have to live. A life of love, love, love. And don't just say hi to those who are like you. Say hello to those who don't fit into your tribe. The people of all the different ethnic groups that there are around, from all sorts of ages. God loves them and we need to greet them. The bird watchers and the train spotters. The people who are rap artists or chess players, the lycra-clad cyclists or the staggering alcoholics. We need to say hello to everyone. I've said before, it's really good to say good morning to people as you walk around, because it just brightens their day, and it brightens your day when you get a good morning back. Jesus says we need to love, love, love. We do live in a volatile uncertain, complicated, and ambiguous world. But that means that we who follow Jesus should stand out even more in this particular time. Because amidst all the volatility, we have a peace that passes all understanding. And people need to be able to see that. When others are uncertain, we have someone who is absolutely reliable who we can follow and know that is always there for us. In the centre of a pile of complex conundrums, we have a simple plan to follow. Jesus says, love one another, love your neighbour, love God, love even your enemies. And in an ambiguous world, we have a clear path to follow because we know the one who is the way and we're called to be his disciples. This week, a remarkable man died. I don't know if you noticed his passing. He was called Brother Andrew, and he was 94. And he was a Dutch missionary who was also called God's Smuggler. And in 1955, he was given a bright blue VW Beetle. And... Somebody taught him to drive it, 
And once he knew how to drive it, he drove it into the old Soviet Union, across the Iron Curtain that was a very definite divide between West and East. And in his beetle, he took lots of Bibles because he found that there were churches and people in the Soviet Union who had no access to Bibles. And he made lots of trips into the Soviet Union. Sometimes he left the Bibles on the back seat of the car because he knew that if ever he was searched, he would get caught. And so he had a prayer that he prayed. He prayed, Dear Lord, when you were on earth, you opened blind eyes so they could see. I pray now that you would blind the eyes of the guards and the soldiers and the officials so that these Bibles can get through. And every time he went, he got through and he came back. When the Soviet Union opened up, they found that there was a 150-page uh, dossier on him that had been formed by the KGB. They tried to track him and stop him, but he'd always got through. Later, he went on to visit China and Cuba under communist regimes where, again, he took Bibles and he brought hope to people who had no hope. And then he decided he'd, he'd start to go to the Middle East and he convinced Yasser Arafat to open a Bible bookshop, a Christian bookshop in the Gaza Strip when the Palestinians were in the midst of all their troubles with Israel. He went in his 70s to Afghanistan to visit the leaders of the Taliban. And he said, I heard him speak once, he said he took the message version of the Bible because he took just the New Testament for the Taliban to read. And the message version was easier for them to understand. He started Open Doors, which is now a worldwide charity that is supporting persecuted Christians in 60 different countries. And all through this, he loved his enemies, the enemies of the West. He was one of the few people that spoke out when Osama bin Laden was killed and said, they should not have done that, that was murder because he loved Osama bin Laden. He was praying for him to know Jesus. He was a man who loved his enemies. And this week they released a little video. You can go to the Open Doors website and see it. Because uh, as he got older, people asked him, what do you want on your tombstone? And he says on this little video, he said, um, I've thought about what I could have on my, on my tombstone. I could have... He is not here, he is risen. That's one option, but it's a bit pious, isn't it? He said another option is he did what he couldn't, referring to all those trips that he made, smuggling Bibles, uh, and, and all the amazing trips he made to places where people said he couldn't do things. He did what he couldn't. He said, but what I want on my tombstone is this a disciple of Jesus Christ. He said, is any further explanation needed? Is there a greater honor than to be called a disciple of Jesus Christ? He was a man who'd been knighted by the Queen of the Netherlands, Queen Beatrix. He'd received many, many awards for all that he'd achieved in his life. But these are the words he wanted on his tombstone, a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was a man who 
listened to the words of Jesus and lived them out. And he lived a remarkable life. These words that Jesus says are hard. They're difficult. For some, they won't ever make sense. But if we're his disciples, if we want to follow Jesus, then we need to take them seriously and hold on to them now, harder than ever before. Make sure that we don't put up walls around us, but reach out with his love. Because in the end, that's what Jesus calls us to do. To love, love, love. And if we do that, then we will be disciples of Jesus. Would you please stand? And we're going to just say a prayer to help us to think about all of that. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and help us to love our enemies. Lord, open us up to your love. Let that love flow through us so that a love without boundaries may be seen in this world. In these uncertain times, when so many are anxious, Lord, help us to hold on to you, to know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Help others to see that confidence in you in our lives. And Lord, we do pray for those who persecute us. We pray for those who seek to undermine your church here in our nation. And we pray for those who blatantly persecute your people in many nations across our world. And Lord, we pray for your blessing to be upon them. And we pray that they would come to know you. For you are the light of the world. You are the way. In Jesus' name, amen.